We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lucky Lefty is on CFB Nation, presented by Twisted T. So the first was the relationship between Ben Brock, Riley Leonard. Number two, the young offensive line. Number three, the evolution of Marcus Freeman as the head coach. Number four, who the heck is going to be the one in the wide receiver room? That's a huge question for me, Left. Did Bo Collins come Who's in? Who's going to be the one on offense in general? And, and talk about it. They expand the conversation. Like, who? Who is going to be that dude? Who is going to be uh, Blake Corn? Who is going to be Brock Bowers? Who is going to be, I guess, Isaiah Bond? Who's going to be Rome Odunze? Who, who is it going to be? Who is it going to be? It's going to be a very interesting spring and offseason to see how this develops. And to see who jumps out to Mike Denbrock. I'm going to cast my lot right now left. Only because we're doing this live. I'll cast my lot for Chris Mitchell. Right? And this is one thing we said the other day. You got a problem with Jordan Faison as your number one next year. If Jordan Faison is your number one target. That's a problem. That's a problem. I can rock with Jordan Faison being a nice two. I can rock with Jordan Faison being a three. But if he's your number one, I'm not happy with that. I wouldn't be happy with that. I would be very cautious about that wide receiver room. Who do you think is going to play out? How do you see it playing out, Left? Who would you, right now, today, who would you say is going to be the number one in the wide receiver room? I think we might have lost left. Tell us in the chat, guys. What are you thinking? I hope Denbrock has the ability mm-hmm. as a chef <laughs> to take all these ingredients and make a good meal out of them. How is he going to put chocolate, corn chips, Condensed milk, spaghetti noodles, a couple of tomatoes, a couple of potatoes. 
and bring out one of them Chef Gordon Ramsay Michelin five star buffet style meal for the season. Because when you look at it, you got good ingredients, but a funky combination. You got some good chocolate, good German chocolate premium number one cocoa bean from the plant itself. But you got to mix that with some pasta Alfredo. How you going to make that taste good? Quality ingredients. But you got to make a meal out of it. And that's the mystery because Marcus Freeman is saying, hey, I got to feed these tables. I need this food hot and ready, delicious. And then Brock like, man, I'm trying to think of a recipe, man. Ain't no recipe. I just got a refrigerator full of good stuff. Ain't no recipes. The guy before took his cookbook and ran off to another restaurant. He was using the same one for about five years. So the restaurant used to a certain menu. So now I got to go back and, you know, I got to put my, 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 my meals together, get my, my chefs ready. So that's what he's got to deal with. So I don't really know. I mean, I, I, I believe because it's a historically great restaurant that no matter who's in the, in the kitchen as the head chef, going to put out some edible. It's going to be good. It's a nice date spot still. But the food got to be more excellent. Because I'm a food critic. I go around writing how I feel about these meals like Keith Lee at these restaurants. The Notre Dame restaurant's my favorite. So it's got to be Keith, up to par. Are you, are you a Keith Lee fan? I mean, is there, how do you be a fan of that? You know, the man just be making reviews. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, I understand both sides of it, right? Uh, a lot of people in the chat saying Jordan Faison can be Jordan Faith. Can you explain schematically as an offensive coordinator yourself why Jordan Faison being the number one is not ideal? 
Because I think I know why, but I would much rather you explain it from a quarterback's point of view and an offensive coordinator's point of view. Bro. Well, from a program standpoint, no, man. This is not Rudy. This is big-time, major college football with a lot of money and a lot of investment and a lot of time spent and a lot of protocols that, that got to work. We're not shocking college football with no walk-on receiver being the number one on a team that's trying to win a championship. No. Get with the program. Get you a Devontae Smith. Get you, get you, get you one of these top receivers, man. Stop playing. Secondly, the size. He's not Tyreek Hill fast. So to be featuring him with the size he has. It's just not going to last a whole season. Thirdly, gosh darn it, you're recruiting. You're recruiting. The longer this becomes a story, the bigger of an indictment on your own recruiting this becomes. Mike Brown don't want to deal with that. Mike mm. Brown not trying to go into these media things, talk about Jordan Faison. He, he tried to talk about what he bringing in and the new guys he's developing, the old veterans, the stars, the four or five star guys that people want to know about. The feel-good stories are not stories that are going to help us win championships. Jordan Faison can be an integral part of the team. Make five or six catches in the game. Make some impact plays on special teams. But from a number one's point of view, that needs to be your, 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 your dog. A guy you can't find everywhere. You can find Jordan Faison at any D2, D3, low NAIA, Mountain West, Mac school around. A bunch of them. Let's stop making these guys so famous like we just came up on a prospect that that everybody missed on. That's, that's no. <laughs> Give us Evan Stewart. Then we can talk about number one. Oh, by the way, Evan Stewart must be requesting a huge bag, bro. It's He's straight turning down big programs. Like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and go on another visit. <laughs> it's like, hey, Evan Stewart is a dude, right? Ryan Williams, who's going to be a freshman at Alabama, it's a dude. Jeremiah Smith is going to be a oh, whew. By the way, uh, your boy up there at Ohio State, the wide receiver coach, is taking a lot of heat from former Ohio State players. A lot of heat. Who is? Wide receiver coach at Ohio State. Your boy Brian Hartline. For what? Man, recently one Ohio State former player said, dude, he don't even get credit for, uh, for Marvin Harrison Jr. His father's a Hall of Famer. That's his coach. I said, man, you can't even get a man credit for Marv? Well, that's not fair. Like, that's crazy. That's not fair. Because at the end of the day, all the receivers that came through there had to be recruited by the man. Mm -hmm. So he got to have some credit, but don't, yeah. don't do that, you know? Yeah. 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 And then think, half of it is the success of the room. Yeah. At the end of the day, I've been around talented receiver rooms that didn't have a great coach and they didn't look good. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. I, I, I'm going to tell you why. Is it the, the points you made out of all the points? I mean, the size is real. That's a real point. 
right? Most number ones on championship teams do not resemble. I'll say it like this. Jordan Faison can be a two. I would love for him to be a three. I'd love for him to be a three. You scout, you go around to these camps, you compete against high schools, coach against other high school players. So small, fast guys, in your opinion, are plentiful all around. Guys like Chris Mitchell. This thing is about hating is real funny to me. I got to address it. I told you, that's what people say, dude. Anytime but but we have to address that. Hating, hating, in my opinion, hating is saying that a player is not going to be productive. Knowing and watching him be productive and saying he's not going to be productive. My thing is, it's all about optics. Optically, no. No. Maybe if we was Tulane, maybe if we was a smaller program, yeah. But some things just, like, Alabama don't do that. They got walk-on guys, yeah, but Alabama, come on, man. Just imagine if we was an NBA team. And Jabari Parker, we're trying to pump up. Or Jaleel Okafor, we're trying to pump up as a guy that's going to take us to the championship. He's not Lamarcus Hall. You know what? You know, you know a great He's example. A Let me give you a great example, Left. 2012, your boy Breezy popped just like Jordan Faison. Every big game, Chris Brown came in and had a deep pass or a big reception. Chris Brown was a recruited player. No, this is my point. He popped as a freshman, just like Jordan Faison popped. Same way, but he wasn't a one. Just because you popped, that doesn't mean you're a one. It means you're going to be a good player. And Chris Brown was a very good player. No Steve, okay, I'm you're absolutely right. Consistently right. 40 receptions, a great two. He was never a number one, but he was always on in the game making plays. Always in the game making plays. But as soon as Will Fuller showed up. that was But that was a distinction. That was a distinction. You knew. Will Fuller, we didn't, we didn't choose Will Fuller to be number no. one. Will Fuller distinctively no. was the number one, period. Mm-hmm. And Chris Brown was not. Will Fuller, but Chris Brown needed to play. Chris Brown was played the most out of any receiver from 2013 to 16. He had the most time, most snaps. Chris Brown he was a never, very, he very was never underrated. Bars. He's a very underrated player in Notre Dame history in my opinion. Very. Very consistent and solid. Very consistent. Very. A lot of people thought because of the speed that he would take another step. And but he just never, that just wasn't his, that wasn't his role, I guess, you know. Yes, yes. He was always a Manu Ginobili, just never a full-time starter. But you can't win games without Manu. Without you know what I'm saying? Like, he got to be there. And that's a good comp because I think Jordan Faison is going to be a reason why you win games. He's that mismatch on third down that Absolutely. he gets open, and you're like, Absolutely. damn, there you go. There you Absolutely. go, making plays. Absolutely. But on you a consistent it. game plan basis, we need to have, oh, we need to watch out for JT. We need to watch out for uh, Chris Mitchell or, or mm-hmm. 
number one, you know, because that's what we're selling as a program. It's hard to sell and recruit any receiver when you're like, oh, yeah, our walk-on's are number one. Let's let's talk to him. <laughs> like, no, bro. Carnell Tate is not looking at Jordan Faison and being like, damn, I got to go to Notre Dame. Because he's going to be like, damn, what happened to all them recruited guys? Y'all going to do me like that? Yeah. Y'all telling me all them recruited guys just not as good as y'all walk-on player? If I'm Carnell Tate or a top receiver in the recruiting class? Yeah. Because what Carnell Tate about- said, I saw Chris Olave, I saw Gary Wilson, and mm-hmm. and damn, Michael Thomas. Right. How do I – how do I? <laughs> and they want yeah. me? Oh, yeah, I got to yeah. go. What are we talking yeah. about? That's yeah. the recruitment. Yeah. We're not attracting any top receivers saying, hey, uh, let's uh, let's get uh, Jordan Faison. No, 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 no. Jordan Faison is a gift to a program like a Chris Fink. Chris Fink wasn't number one, but Chris, Chris Fink, Fink was, was solid. A, was a solid, solid player. Very solid. Love. You're like, damn, Chris Fink, give him the ball, bro, in certain parts of the game, you know. Michigan. Uh, jumping on two players, catch the so it's like, yeah, you can have a player like that with impact, but mm-hmm. as a number one, let's not just wholeheartedly sell out on that either. Because I think just throughout a season, it becomes okay, y'all say, y'all, Jordan Page, y'all, y'all guy, let's lock him up. We, we want him to be free and open all season. The only That's- way he's doing that is by not being the main attraction. So basically what you're saying is that defenses really didn't scheme for Jordan Faison because nobody knew about it. Yeah, nobody knew about it. And they're looking at it like he's on the roster itself. Like, oh, he's five, whatever, one, whatever. Mm -hmm. But what about these other monsters they got on the field? You know what I mean? I feel like that's the attention that Jordan Faison is successful because of that. Yeah. He's not Zay Flowers. Yeah. you know, I'm sure they got the same measurables, but that's Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers out there, whoop, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Most receptions yeah. in college, whoop, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it was yeah. nice to see Angeli go early and often to a guy that at that point in the season is making plays, and that was Jordan Faison. I mean, he's making great catches. And a guy that he probably spent most of the time on the second second squad. Man, that to. scout team with him and Jordan Faison, he's probably lighting it up. Yeah. Yeah. Fighting it up against Ben Morrison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would I would say, look, you want to keep Jordan Faison in a position where he can be a chess piece and use his athleticism and speed. It would be perfect, especially if you're pairing him with Mitchell Evans going over the middle, uh, Eli Raritan going over the middle, or you start talking about Jay Greathouse taking the next step and his evolution as well. But if you can get Bo Collins and Chris Mitchell to be threats on the outside to the field and to the boundary, now, dude, now you're talking. Now you're talking, right? And Chris Fink was able to have big guys on the outside that were at least threats. They might not have been like Randy Moss, but they were threats. And that allowed Chris Fink to go ahead and do some things on the inside, right? Like I said, the last season that Notre Dame had three receivers, over 30 receptions, I had it in my notes somewhere because we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I think it was like the 2017 season, if I'm not mistaken, love. Who was that, Chase Claypool? I think it was Chase, Chris Pink, and, and was it Miles? 
Or Kyron. Shit, Kyron probably had a bunch of receptions. No, I was actually wide receivers. I'm talking about strictly wide receivers. Oh. But yeah, just go ahead and talk about Bo Collins and Chris Mitchell and what you need to see from those guys to give Jordan Faison the opportunity to do what he does best. Well, I hope Bo Collins comes in with a mindset that's, I need to come in and dominate. Clearly, that wasn't the agenda over at Clemson, where they probably avoided more times of throwing the football as opposed to trying to keep the ball out of K Club Nick's hands from ruining the game. <laughs> facts, facts. So I do think Chris Mitchell and Bo Collins, especially, should come in wanting to be the one two combo punch. I think that should just be the mindset they have going in because. One, Bo Collins is too big physically of a player not to have had more attention nationally. I'm I'm wanting to look like Keon Coleman out of Florida State. That transfer worked out great. Same oh, yeah. It was, it was 2018 left. Oh, okay, 2018. Yeah. Miles had 59 receptions, Chase had 50, and Chris Fink had 49. Right. That's a yeah. solid day. Yeah, yeah, And the yeah. thing that you watch in Washington is they got three or four receivers. Well, three receivers and they tight end that they all get in love. They all being impactful in the game. That's what Notre Dame can be, especially the way we recruit, where we have a bunch of talent. Let the ball spray a little bit. Now, obviously, it's, it's conducted by a generational guy at QB. And look how easy it is to see how much talent a team has when a guy can – disperse the ball like he does. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it works It works both ways. So I do think, you know, in 2018 with Ian, at that point he's very comfortable, he's experienced, he's been through some things. Even in his under 3,000-yard seasons, he's giving out the ball to guys. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a, it's a trust level to that as well, but – you know, yeah, it's possible. Yeah, Lucky Lefty Podcast. Everybody right now in the chat, hey, man. You got the chill. You got the chill. You got the chill. You got the chill. Relax, man. This is how stuff gets started. This is how false information ends up on message boards and other shows. Nobody on this show said he couldn't play. When did you ever hear anybody say Jordan Faison can't play? We said if he's your number one option and you're targeting him 13 times a game, that says something about the wide receiver room. Can we listen to the nuanced conversation we're trying to have instead of thinking this is an attack on the talents of Jordan Faison? Relax. No one has said that Jordan Faison can't ball. But to have someone that small at your program as the number one impacts recruiting, whether you believe it or not, because kids want to see players like them that they feel can go to the first round. Jordan Faison is not going to be a first round pick. Yeah, he's not even a first round talent. He's not. If you're talking about so why are you not guys first wide round receivers, talent? you have to have guys like Bo Collins improve. You under have Mike to. Brown. 
You have to see Chris Mitchell on the big stage do what he did at Florida International. These are things that kids are watching. It has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not Jordan Faison is a good player. He's a good player. We've said it multiple times. Go to the post-game show in the Sun Bowl. Malik admitted, like, yo, this kid has, has proven to me and changed my mind about who he is. We're having a full-fledged, nuanced conversation about the wide receiver room. and what But the thing that won't change my mind and will never change any of you guys' mind is that he's a first-round talent. This is Notre Dame. We produce Quentin Nelson, Ronnie Stanley, first-round guys. That's what so we have you need a first-round talent. Cam EQ, Williams, Cam Williams types. Chase Cam Williams is a possible first round exactly. talent. Exactly. You know Jeremiah Jayden, Love, possible first round talent. Jaden Greathouse, possible late first, second round talent. He's second, third round. He's got to get his speed up a little bit. But if he but, has 100 receptions in a season, he's a first yes. round talent. You know what yes. I mean? That so it's Ryan, like, Ryan Roberts, who's in the chat, is down in San Antonio right now watching first round talent. Yeah. And I know I, I want to ask him, I'll ask him today, how many people like Jordan Faison do you see in San Antonio? Exactly. It has exactly. nothing to do with whether or not you can play. <laughs> had nothing to do with whether the kid can play. Kids in recruiting need to see guys go first round. They need to see kids like them, 6'2", 6'3", that can run like what did deer. What did Justin Scott Develop. tell us word for word? I don't want to go to a place where I'm better than the dudes. He literally said, I don't want to go to a place where I don't know the dude next to me. I don't, I'm never, he, what receiver is going to be like, man, I'm trying to go because of Jordan phases on. No top receiver would ever say that. And that's not an indictment on Jordan Faison at all because shit, he was trying to play lacrosse coming out. So it's like, let's just, be appreciative of what has been blessed to us that we've discovered on our football team. But leave it at that. Because the real thing is, first-round talent players are attracted to first-round talent players. You get first-round, first-round, first-round happening like an Alabama receiver room. You drop out a receiver Heisman. Mm-hmm. You have a good shot for at least the next five or six years to get a number one receiver in that room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. From the transfer portal to the high school chart, yeah, you you have a very good chance. Yeah. How is and what is the chances? Even if Jordan Faison has a great season, great, I'm talking about fifty receptions. What's the likelihood of you securing a number one receiver because of him for the next five years? They probably wouldn't even wouldn't even remember his name. Wouldn't know yeah. him on campus if you saw him today. Yeah. Yeah. We need one of them freaks where they walking around being like, what, what team you play for? Yeah. That, what, one of them kind of dudes. Do you play you play football, Mr. Mr. Tall, strong man? That's the type of talent we need walking around campus. Because that's going to attract the right stuff. Yeah. 
No, you know, you can have to feel good Rudy stories about Jordan Faison. Yeah, brother, you can win newcomer of the year, team MVP. You mm-hmm. can do all that. Mm-hmm. But from the outside world, yeah, we need to be dropping them, them, you know, first round guys. Period. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. So, you know. We a factory, not a boutique shop. Listening has to be a skill. Boutiques where you can find that nice little piece, that nice little sweater that second time around. No, this is Macy's. And once again, once again, listening is a skill, right? He never said that he can't be a number one because he's a walk-on. He said Notre Dame doesn't need Rudy stories. Once again, stop pigeonholing the conversation. He said that and expanded to the impact on recruiting and what kids want to see. And as somebody else said in the chat, kids don't care who they watch. That's a lie. You go talk to these high school kids, Ryan Roberts will tell you. They're watching Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, guys that were taken in the top 10 in the draft. That's who they emulate themselves at. Nobody's emulating themselves after Jordan Faison. Look what happened for LSU. Unless, unless, they, unless, unless they look like Jordan Faison. And they're small. So to say, oh, no, nobody, who? Name a top wide receiver that emulated themselves out the West Wealth. Well. I'll, I'll wait. Who? Who? Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup even said, yo, I've watched Mike Evans. And he played in FCS. Mike Evans wasn't looking up to West Welker. Cooper Cup wanted to be like the top guys. And top guys in the NFL don't look like Jordan Faison. They don't. The conversation has zero to do with whether or not the young man can play football. He's proven that. We don't ever have to talk about that. We're talking about a nuanced conversation about the fact that if that dude is your number one option, that's a problem. That's a problem. And if you don't want to admit that's a problem, then we don't know what to tell you. Because if you look at the championship contenders this year, none of them have a number one that looks like Jordan Faison. Yeah, none, none of them. None, none of them. You can go Romo back DJ years. don't look like Jordan Faison. None. <laughs> none. That's not the way. It would be nice if we can win championships and Rudy stories. I mean, yeah. yeah, I'm all for a good Rudy. If that's the case, we've had plenty of Rudy stories over the last Salerno, years. Salami, whatever, you know, we had them. Chris Fink, 
You could call him a Rudy Ford. And Fink was good. We and never, Fink I never down Chris Fink. Chris Fink did he did beyond expectations. And we we paid we paid Jordan Faison the ultimate compliment. We said Jordan Faison can be to this offense and this program what Chris Brown was. Chris yeah. Brown was from the moment he set set foot on the campus. Chris Brown popped in big games as a true freshman every and time. got better every year and was consistent. He was yeah. consistent. That's all you're asking for. The he team. was a great player he to play to have better players play off of. He was that got got that solid figure in the receiver room, where guys that could get better off of that because they knew the expectation. Anytime we was in workouts, Chris Brown the first one running. So that made Will Fuller always be on his game. That made CJ always be on his game. That made Corey Robinson, Corey Holmes, all the Torrey Hunter had to be on their game because Chris Brown was just always going to meet that expectation. So when once we all met Chris Brown's effort and attitude, mm -hmm. expectation, then you start to see Will Fuller. You start to see the EQs. The You start to see guys pop. Because guys had a foundation. A leader. Chris Brown wasn't the number one. But it was okay because Chris Brown inspired the number one. Mm -hmm. You couldn't get a Will Fuller without a Chris Brown. Man, please. Because realistically, me. you wait, had to wait. pay, you had the game plan for both of them. Wait, wait. First of all, the, the fact that somebody put Lab McConkey in the chat, we all know who the number. Georgia isn't going to Lab McConkey in the fourth quarter, man. What are we talking about? Come on, y'all got to be serious, man. Golden Tate was a physical receiver. Jordan Faison is not a physical receiver. That's not who he is. Golden Tate also played with Michael Floyd. Who was a number one? Hey, what are we? What are we left? People get so upset, man, because they they're they're so offended, and their sensibilities are so offended when you have a conversation, ladies and gentlemen. If Jordan Faison is your number one target next year in the wide receiver room, it's a problem for several reasons. It's a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem in development. It's a problem in what you evaluated in the transfer portal. And it's a problem with the talent you recruited. It's a problem. I'm sorry. And more than likely, you're not going to win a championship if Jordan Faison is your number one receiver in your receiver room. Period. That's it. That's the conversation. No one said he's not good. No one said he is fast. No one. Once again, he's totally built different than Tyreek Hill. He's built totally different. And he's nowhere near as fast. I'm not going to say no. He's not as fast as Tyreek Hill. He's Man, not. You guys been drinking this morning. If you think he's, he's just, fast. He's just First not. Tyreek Hill is like generational fast. Like, he's not. Been... <laughs> he's just not. He's not. The conversation is, can he be the number one? Can he have the best stats? That's not even the conversation. And don't the you want to see is, Jordan Faison succeed? Jordan Faison succeeds. If not he's not the number, number one, one. thank you. <laughs> thank you. If he can work from the slot, if you have to move him to the outside consistently, 
it's going to be a big picture problem. It's going to be a big picture problem. That's, that's going to be an easy thing to defend. That's, that's, that's all the conversation was. That's it. Isn't well, Chris Mitchell supposed to play the same position? Thank you. You like Chris Mitchell supposed to come in, in and Jordan Faison is supposed to be so support support. Like no, no, no. Chris Mitchell is going to. They want him to play to the, to the field. Okay. According to what we've heard, they want him to play to the field. Okay, I'm just saying, man. <laughs> For real, you know, it is it too. And on so many levels, offense. And that's why I asked you to break it down as a quarterback and an offensive coordinator, scheme wise. So it wouldn't become personal. Like break it down, scheme, big picture, everything. Right? Because I knew people were gonna be like, "Oh man, he's good." Nobody's. We're not saying he's not good. The wide receiver room is one of the biggest question marks. And the other thing, wait, wait, whole... wait, wait, wait. I'll ask it this way. If you had your choice and your preference of who is going to be the most impactful receiver this time next year for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who would it be? And I'd be very interested, by preference, how many people would say Jordan Faison. Because I guarantee most people will vote somebody else besides Jordan Faison. I guarantee that. So if your preference is that somebody else becomes that dude, then obviously there is a consensus that says, yo, Notre Dame should probably have somebody else be the number one to help everybody else out. Period. That's it. You can't say Faison is the best playmaker. Jaden Greyhouse was making plays from the first game he played before he got injured. So you can't say he's the best playmaker. We haven't seen Jaden Greyhouse play a full season healthy. If Jaden Greyhouse was healthy, he would have been making plays all year because he started it from the first game and was consistent just about every week. He was making plays from the slot. This is what I'm talking about. The room has talent. Jaden Thomas comes back healthy immediately, making plays, right? He's not as fast, but he's immediately making plays. Steve Angeli hitting him. If Jaden Thomas can stay healthy, he probably can do that consistently. Probably has an outside chance, outside chance to be a number one. Left probably has an outside shot to be a number one. Who? Jaden Thomas has an outside shot to be a number one. I mean, I think his windows more so pass, but maybe. He should play tight end. See, this is people like Ross Morrison said. Great House doesn't have phase on speed or agility. Doesn't make a difference. He was making plays. This is what we're talking about. He makes plays. Who cares if he's not as fast? As soon as he got on the field against Navy, he made plays. That's what you want. You want playmakers. They're both playmakers. Period. They're both playmakers. They're both playmakers. 
I think one of the things we can say definitively in this fan base is that we're coming to an era where we should be ecstatic to have this conversation, guys. You know why? Because we had to deal with the main target being a tight end for the last, the previous five years. Five, six years. In the passing game. We went into the game. Dude, even when we played Georgia in, what, 19? I believe we played Georgia in 19. Cole Komet came back from injury. And Cole had a Komet. Break. We were trying to feed Cole Komet. We were trying to feed Cole Komet in that game. Chase Claypool didn't get anything. No and here we time. are. Dude, we, dude, we're having a fun conversation about the wide receiver room and the talent that we have and saying if we can put Jordan Faison at the two or three, what does that say about the talent in the wide receiver room? That's the ideal room we would want to have. And we haven't had this type of conversation left in almost five years about Notre Dame wide receivers. And we can't even be happy about the conversation. This is a great conversation to have. Jordan Faison possibly being a two or three. Are you kidding me? Cam Williams possibly Hell being. No. Cam Williams could possibly be a four. Until he grows up and maybe jumps to a two. Jaden Greyhouse can be a two. Jay Thomas has an outside chance of being a one. Chris Mitchell can be a 1A. If Bo Collins reaches his potential, he could be a 1A or 1B. When was the last time we had this type of conversation about the wide receiver room at Notre Dame? I'm talking about this type of fun conversation. When? Like, there is nothing. We don't do. Have fun with it. They all can play. We think they all can play. Deion Cozy, when he's played, the last time he played was what, that USC game? Didn't he have two touchdowns on the road against USC? The last time we saw him? So we just need guys to be healthy, which Lauren Landau, keep Jaden Greathouse, Jaden Thomas, and Deion Cozy healthy. Man, from our lips up to God, we need perfect help for those guys. Jordan Faison, yo, with his size, stay healthy. Please stay healthy. Please stay healthy. Chris Mitchell, Bo Collins. Chris Mitchell, we need you to come do what you've been doing. Over 1,000 yards, 70 receptions. We don't even need that in Notre Dame. We don't need we 70. Don't even we'll need take it. it. We'll take it. I'll take 70. I'll take it. I'll take it. 70 over 1,000, I'll take it. But if you give us 50 with the same touchdowns and the same average per catch, that's all we need. Bo Collins, just step it up a little bit, bro. Give us 40. Give us 50. Be a red zone target. Make yeah, like Bo Collins, be, be a player for Bo Collins. Be a playmaker, absolutely. Be a playmaker for Notre Dame and what we need. Because we, we know we, we're giving y'all. <laughs> we know that the the, the, fair, the, the the trade right now is not fair. Dude, do not you even. understand? Do you under? This is why this conversation should be joyous and fun. Man, we have come from the days of Dale Alexander until now, where we can literally talk about yo the wide receivers are going to produce more than the tight ends in the passing game in Notre Dame. And have a firm belief that that's about to happen in 2024, even though it's a question mark. And the question mark is, who is going to become the dude? 
Who's going to become that dude that you go to in the fourth quarter? Who's the dude? For us, it was always who? Michael Mayer? Fourth quarter, we need a big play. Where's our tight end? Same thing this year. Sam Hartman was looking at Mitchell Evans this year. That he was looking at Duke. Ohio State, Mitchell. Duke, Mitchell. So for five consecutive years, it was like, dude, the tight end was the guy. He's the guy in the offense in the passing game. That's who we're going to. And we finally have a shot. Yes, I thank you for uh, reminding me about K.K. Smith, who reportedly has been looking great in practices. Who has? K.K. Smith. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, he he red-shirted this year. He was a true freshman. This should be, man, Notre Dame fans, get excited, man. Get excited. And get excited about the fact that if you can keep Jordan Faison inside and keep him as a two in the offense, it maximizes the offense. That's what we should want. You just can't say, well, I don't care. No, you should care. We all should care about what maximizes the offense. If you can keep him, the same thing, right? Alabama had two great defensive backs and Kool-Aid and the other kid. I forget and Terion Arnold. Terion Arnold, right? What did Michigan do in the passing game? They schemed and motioned to put their third and fourth receivers on the safeties and linebackers. And that's how they made plays. They didn't even, because they said, yo, those two dogs they got on the outside of defensive back, we're not even going to mess with them. Leave them alone. We're going to run crossing routes, clear it out, and take advantage of these safeties and linebackers, which is very smart. Very smart. And those positions, that's where you want Jordan Faison working. Now, I can all accept. I'm not going to, the low-hanging fruit is to, like, discredit. And I don't like when people do this. The low-hanging fruit, and I've heard, well, look, the low-hanging fruit it would be to discredit what Jordan Faison did because of the defense he went up against. Right? The pass defense wasn't that good. The best players in the secondary opted out. I'm not taking that route. If you ball, you ball. I don't care who you're playing against. I don't care. You ball, you ball. I am not taking it. Man, I'm going to give all the flowers to Jordan Faison. And I don't feel like Steve Angeli got robbed. I think they both were deserving of possibly receiving co-MVPs in that sunball. Period. Period. But what we should all want left before we get to our fifth topic for biggest questions in the offseason, what we should all want is that Jordan Faison be put in the most optimal position. In the most favorable matchups to win. Yes, yes. When we need, him, when we need a first down or something. Because when Jay Thomas got injured, Deion Cozy couldn't come back as soon as they thought. Notre Dame had to move Jordan Faison outside, which is more running and a totally different physicality, and he ended up getting injured, and we lost him for the majority of the season. Why? Because that's not what he's used to doing. That's not the most favorable spot for him. 
keep Jordan Faison in the most favorable spot, and it's going to maximize the strength of the rest of the wide receiver room. It only makes us better. Has nothing to do with his talent. Has nothing to do with discrediting the kid. Left, you've cracked lacrosse jokes. I never crack lacrosse jokes. I do. First time I saw him play against Louisville, I'm like, well, heck, if that's what if that's who we have making plays, hey, here's Tiggy. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, lacrosse jokes just saying like, hey, that wasn't your main focus. Like some of the guys we're recruiting on, which we're expecting great things from. So, yeah, Jordan can be doing great things, but he's in a better position when we don't know about it. I do. We're about to go to the next one because people are like coloring outside the lines. People keep talking about if he becomes a star. Dude. If he becomes a star, he becomes a star. What's your point? Hunter Renfrey, uh, Hunter Renfro was a star for Clemson. Star. He, he wasn't the number one receiver in their offense. It was and a guy still by the name. The pros. It was a guy by the name of Mike Williams. Hunter Renfro was a star and starred in big games for Clemson, but he was not the number one receiver. And you know why he was able to do what he did? Because he had Mike Williams. Because he was on the not outside. the number one receiver. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. He was much better with Mike Williams and the other big guy they had on the outside, which gave him the liberty to roam on the inside and do what he does best. And he was a star at Clemson. He was a flat-out star. Uh, uh, what'd you say? At Clemson. I mean, dude. I mean, a star is a star. I'm not I'm not about to get into the Clemson, Notre Dame. We know Notre Dame. Is no, I'm saying. Stage. No, 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 no. I'm saying at, his, at the program that he was at, not on a national level. Yeah. Because like, Mike uh, Williams was the national level. NC Notre Dame fan said, look, you know, Hunter's like, I don't know. I'm not, I haven't followed his pro career, right? So if he's lighting it up with the Raiders, he has Devontae Adams on the outside. That's what I'm saying. He's not the number one at the Raiders. He's not the so number one. He's good. But he's so he's, he's being put in the right position to do what he does. That's all we want for Jordan Faison. Don't ask him to do things he's not built to do. That's not who he is. Let him do what he does and what he's best at. Period. That's it. Let him operate in space. You're not about to put Jordan Faison in the boundary at wide receiver. If Jordan Faison is in the boundary at wide receiver, it's a problem. It's a huge problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. But we sit here January the 3rd, 2024, and I'm amped, dude, because we're talking about a potential wide receiver room that can literally have three to four guys over 30 receptions. And I don't care who leads, leads in stats. I don't. But at the end of the game, somebody has to be a dude. Because you see in that championship game, in that championship game, Hunter Renfro caught the winning touchdown. But you know why? You know why? 
because they had two consecutive pass interferences on Mike Williams in the end zone prior to that play. And Alabama knew we got to double this dude. So Hunter Renfro was man-to-man against the third defensive back. Mismatch. Mismatch. Period. That's what make that's what gives Washington a chance against that great Michigan defense. Will Johnson, probably, he's probably gonna follow Odunze. Okay, Will Johnson, you and Odunze, y'all cancel each other out. Who who's 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 taking McMillan? Who's taking Pope? Who's guarding Westover? Who's guarding Bernard? See, that's the problem. Because Romo Dunze has made plays all year against the best talent at defensive back. More than likely, he's going to make plays against Will Johnson. But who's going to stick the other four to five guys? That's what you want to see out of the Notre Dame wide receiver room in 2024. Jordan Faison, fine. Who's going to stick Chris Mitchell? Who's going to stick Bo Collins? Who's going to stick Mitchell Evans? Who's going to stick Eli Rare? Oh, who's going to stick Jaden Greathouse? That's exactly what you want to see from this Notre Dame wide receiver room. But who's going to be that dude in the fourth quarter when you need a play? Who's going to be Devontae Smith? Who's going to be Mike Williams? Who's going to be Jamar Chase? Who's going to be that dude? Who is it going to be? Who is it going to be? And he, by saying who's going to be that dude, being the dude doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be the guy that makes the play. Because we just pointed out the effect of Mike Williams in that championship game and how it put Hunter Renfro in position to catch the winning touchdown because he was being defended by the third best defensive back and had a mismatch. Who's going to be that guy for Notre Dame that the defense is going to say, yo, we got to take this dude away. We got to take him away. And we'll take our chances with guarding these guys man to man. It's even if it forces teams, which this is the other thing, Notre Dame fans, when was the last time you saw Notre Dame and a quarterback from Notre Dame that didn't face seven, eight in the box every down? Yeah, that's right. Michael Penix rarely looks at seven, eight in the box. Rarely. How You're not bringing a safety down with those wide receivers he has? You're not. That's another thing. Like, dude, this might be a year where Riley Leonard is literally looking at two safeties back. Like, yo, we got Chris Mitchell and Jordan Faison on the field. Yo, we got to keep these safeties back and keep everything in front of us. That's what we have to do. Keep the safeties back. Let's try to keep everything in front of us. I can't tell you who. You and Will, I mean, you and Deshaun might have been the last quarterbacks to see that at Notre Dame because you had Will on the field. Yeah. That, that That's it. Will, because you had Will and Chris Brown, Chris Brown on the field. That was the last time Notre Dame quarterbacks consistently looked at two high safeties. And hopefully 
man, we too. It's been a while since we've seen that. Honestly, left, I wish we were playing Ohio State with Mike Denbrock, Riley Leonard, and these receivers rather than Sam Hartman and who we had this year. I wish we could run it back with Ohio State. I don't even need the game to be in Notre Dame Stadium. We'll go up there. We'll go back to Ohio Stadium with the talent we're going to have offensively this year. Let's go. Let's run it back. Because I want that, man, I want that Ohio State win bad. Bad. You know, this is a question for left. Left, this here's a good question for you. Early GTV. Uh, do you think we'll we will be do you think throwing the ball like that or running the ball with all the good running backs would be better? Well, I think that it's a balance. I think that Washington proves that they have a balance. They have two first-round receivers and a good running game. So it's a balance in the sense that we, they, they, they do what needs to win the game in that moment. But when it comes down to it, they have enough talent to do it through the air and on the ground. I think this is the first year where we hopefully can do it through the air. Gives us another dimension when teams take away one, we're able to still. We lost left right there, but if we get him back, I'll let him finish. But I'm and look. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're back. Go ahead. Finish up. Yeah. Left. So I was just saying, yeah, so we can be productive and not one dimensional where we're getting in tight games trying to run the football from the 50 and out to win the game. So I think that having this balanced attack with Denbrock having more experience in in doing that. I think it just adds the the threat and consistency that we need on offense to be that championship team, like how Washington looks. And I don't look, I don't want to compare Notre Dame to Washington next year. Right, I, right. We're just talking is, about a balanced but, attack. But see, because I understand why Kalen DeBoer, according to the story that we talked about, that was a story that was printed, I believe, in the USA, no, on the Athletic. And uh, other defensive coordinators in the story said, Kalen DeBoer doesn't even want to run the ball. Like, they don't want to run, run the ball. Washington doesn't want to run the ball. But because they attack you vertically and horizontally down to down, they can run it whenever they want to. They can run it whenever they want to. And that is absolutely amazing, man. That's why Dylan Johnson has been big in just about every big game for them. Because they know teams come in trying to stop the pass and finding a way to pressure the quarterback. And in trying to do so, they leave their defense totally susceptible to the run game. And with play calling, they take advantage of it. They take advantage of it. Let me just read this to you, Love. Remember when Kirby Moore was mentioned with the offensive coordinator job in Notre Dame as a candidate. And we kind of laid out the offense and everything. So if you want to, you know, to go to this, to answer the question, um, Missouri had three receivers with at least 40 receptions. Well, I take that back. They had two over 40 
and then they have one right at 38. And so give or take a few. But they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven receivers and double figure receptions left. Seven receivers with double figure receptions. And one of those was Cody That's pretty Schrader. good. One of those was Cody Schrader, the running back. So six wide receivers, one running back. That's pretty good, right, left? Six receivers with double figures and receptions. Luther Burton had 86 for 12. That's really 12. good. Reese Jr. had 49 for 682. And then Mookie had 38 for 447. But they all averaged over 12 yards per reception. See, that's the key. That's the key. Their fourth receiver, fourth receiver, Marquise Johnson, 13 receptions, but he averaged 28 yards of reception left. So he had impact. The long for Burden, 86. Long for Wee, 72. Long for Mookie, 41. Long for Johnson, 76. Impactful big plays. As a wide receiver core, as a wide receiver core, They had over 3,000 yards receiving as a wide receiver core. This is the kicker, left. This is the year. You remember, you, you just heard all of those stats I read, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Missouri ran the ball 53, 53% of the time. <laughs> Balance attack. See, it's not about how much you throw. It's the efficiency. And how you use the pass game. That's right. That's, That's what right. was attractive about Kirby Moore. Yeah, you have the questions of whether or not Kirby Moore or Drinkowitz was the one calling the game. But the Missouri offense ran the ball 53% of the time. That means they only threw it 47. That's right. And they put up that production over 3,000 yards from their wide receivers, throwing the ball 47% of the time. It's efficiency. And Yo, I think Mike Denbrock is going to bring a more efficient passing attack. He brought a more efficient passing attack to LSU. That's what he brought. So, yes, to answer the question, Notre Dame, and to go right along with what you said, left Notre Dame can still run the ball 52, 53% of the time, throw the ball 47% of the time, and as long as they're being impactful, and efficient with yards per catch and impact plays, big plays in the passing game, which should be there because of the running game. The opportunity should be there. Yeah, I think they can do both. Left. I don't think they have to choose either or. I think they can do both. I really do. And I, I'm excited about the wide receiver room. It's one of the biggest questions as far as who the guy is going to be late in big games. But I'm excited about the production. If, if Notre Dame's wide receivers can get over 2,000 yards next year, I'll throw a party. That'd be impressive. I, I'll absolutely. I'm not even asking for 3,000. I'm well, just no, asking no, no. for 2,000. No, no, no. We're going to start slow. 2,000. 2,000 be... Man, if Huge we get 2,000 yards, man, if we get 2,000 yards, I, strictly out of the receivers. Strictly, like not a running back and yep. all these additives and, you know, to strictly yards. 
Strictly, man, that would be huge. Give us half of what neighbors did and uh, the other guy did at LSU. Thomas? Give us half of that. Because they was around 35, 4,000, right? Matter of fact, let's look at that. We talked about the efficiency of, of their offense. Let's let's look at their offensive stats this year. And I'll pull it up on the team rankings as well to look at the percentages. Because I'm sure that'll be very interesting, dude. So they threw the ball. Wow. They threw the ball 49% of the time and ran the ball 50.82% of the time. So once again, you talked about it, left. Mike Denbrock is very balanced. Very balanced in his play calling. They were still able to average, because most people would look at LSU and think it was a pass-happy offense, right, Left. I think most Notre Dame, most got people, Notre Dame fans, most people would just think from the outside looking in, the LSU and the numbers Jaden Daniels put up, like, oh, my God, this is a pass-happy offense. Yo, very balanced. They threw the ball 50.82% of the time, which was 50th in the nation. Yeah, it was still good right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, not 50. 51.16% of the time, which was 43rd in the nation. That's still good standing. So it's not how much you throw. What are you doing with when the you pass throw. attempt? When you throw, what are you doing with They were number one in points per game, number one in yards per game, number one in points per play, number one in yards per play. As an offense, number two in third down conversion. I would like to see that at Notre Dame. Hey, <laughs> not do. Just be top 10. <laughs> Shit, just be top 15. <laughs> just, right. If Notre Dame can get the top 15 in third down conversion offensively, I'll take it. This is what this is what Mike Denbrock is bringing to Notre Dame. Balanced offense, in my opinion, with better offensive line play, better running backs. Quarterback is not as dynamic. Not as dynamic. Yet. Not as that dynamic. Matters. That matters. But Mike Denbrock can help with that and put him in favorable positions. Came the wide receiver core is not as dynamic as we had at LSU. But what? How far? How much? How far do you think they are from it, though? Uh, I mean, Malik Neighbors is a top, is a possibly a top fifteen pick. Brian Thomas is possibly a top forty pick in the NFL draft. <laughs> I mean, they had, dude, they got they got, they had two receivers over a thousand yards left. Yeah, and a Heisman. That's that's insane. Yeah, you're not going but really once again, left. What do we just ask Notre Dame's wide receiver room to produce next year? Two thousand yards. Two thousand right? yards, bro. Between all them good, talented receivers, <laughs> Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. put together one hundred and fifty-five receptions. For 2,846 yards. By himself. And they both averaged over 17 yards a catch. And together they averaged 17.4 yards per reception with a total of 31 touchdowns between the two of them. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah, we're not asking for much now. And they only threw the ball 51% of the time. Telling you. 
the potential is there. Dude, SD Notre Dame fan, I hope that answers your question, man. That that Mike Denbrock, and as Ryan Lofton says, the Mike Denbrock effect. That's crazy, bro. That's that's insane. Two, you had two receivers that put up almost three thousand yards, just two, with thirty-one touchdowns, thirty-one touchdowns in a season left. That's insane, man. Now I understand why Jaden Daniels' numbers were so stupid. Look, you realize Jaden Daniels only threw the ball 327 times? Yeah. But the times he was throwing them were explosive plays, you know. Averaging 17 yards a catch is ridiculous. Left. Jaden Daniels didn't even average 30 attempts per game, left. I was in the same system. Left. I threw for 300 something yards on like 19 of 22 completions. This is, let's do this. Yo, this is Notre Dame fans. I'm loving this because, and thank you for bringing that up, guys, and asking that question. Is he Notre Dame fan? That's why you guys are the best. Yo, Mike Denbrock, you really dig into the numbers, man. This dude is truly an efficient play caller, bro. He is all about run game, big plays in the passing game. He is not trying to dip Notre Dame fans. Mike Denbrock is not trying to come in, come in here and, and three yards in a cloud of dust. That's not what he's trying to do. He's not. He's not trying to do that. They had two receivers that averaged 17 yards per catch. Uh, I mean, remember Kevin Stefferson under Mike Denbrock? Almost had 1,000 yards. That third receiver averaged more yards per catch than Neighbors and Thomas left. You got to be kidding me. Kyron Lacey had 30 receptions and averaged 18 yards per catch, and he had seven touchdowns left. Hey, man. Jordan Faison, Chris Mitchell, Bo Collins, Jaden Greyhouse, Campbell, everybody should eat. Everybody should eat. When was the last time you you had going into the offseason, Notre Dame fans? This is the excitement you should have. When was the last time you could get the feeling that everybody in the wide receiver room can eat? Everybody. And once again, they only threw the ball 51% of the time. That's bananas. <laughs> That's bananas. I thought I was going to see at least 55. I really did. And this guy, Jay Daniels, put up over 5,000 yeah, yards. 5,000 yards. Winning the Heisman on less than on that. Winning the Heisman on those percentages. Those percentages left. He put up 5,000 yards of total offense. Throwing the ball 51% of the time, left. Brian Loftus, you're right, man. The last time we might have had that feeling was like Brady Quinn when he had Samarja in the crew. Or maybe Clawson, when he had Clawson had who? A uh, Golden Tate. Did Clawson play with uh, Michael Floyd? Jimmy Clawson might have been the last time I felt like, okay, we're gonna put up numbers in the passing game. Let's take a look at this. Jimmy Clawson, his best year at Notre Dame was. Jimmy Clausen was in the 4,000s, right? 
4,000 yard club. I'm, I'm trying to get to his Notre Dame career. I think he's. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy put up some good numbers. You're probably right. But did you feel like the whole wide receiver room was going to eat with Tommy? Well, like DeVar's, I mean, you know, I think guys were confident in Tommy's ability. It was more of Tommy's late-game decision-making, which is a problem. I think 2009 was Jim Carson's best year. He put up 3,700 yards left. Right, okay. I knew he was. He did something pretty good like that. He had 31 he got... in 2008, so. Oh, okay. So, I mean, he had two years. Two years? I'm telling you, that two years made a difference. Yeah, we haven't had two. Jack Cone was like, had the best y- y- passing yardage, and he didn't play all the games. Jack Cone, if he had started every game, probably could have put up 3,500 or more. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, here it is left. I was able to find it. The top receivers in 2009 were uh, Golden Tate, Michael Floyd, and he had Duval Kamara as well. That's a pretty good three. Guys that had extensive careers in the league. Dude, that cat, Golden Tate, went bananas in 2009, fam. Yeah. Good Lord. 93 receptions, 1,496 yards, 16 yards per clip with 17 touchdowns. That's bananas. Michael Floyd was a freshman, 44, 795, nine touchdowns, 18 yards per clip. Yeah, it's, yo, it's been since 2009 since we've had this feeling, yo. Yeah. No, no, they fans. The wide receiver room should get you amped. Like, dude, we care less who gets it done. We know Jordan Faison can play. That's not the question. We just the question is who's gonna be the dude in the fourth quarter? That's the question. It's yeah, 93 catches is bananas, Lilo Galante. That's bananas. That's bananas. Lucky Lucky Podcast.